0: And good morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Brian. It's great to be here. And today we're going to continue on in the book of Mark. So if you have your Bibles or a Bible app, you can turn with me to Mark chapter 6. Uh, so far, we've been studying a lot about Jesus. Most of the, the Gospels are all about Jesus, it's, it, it all points to Jesus. But I don't know if you remember when we started way back in January our study of the book of Mark, for those of you who've, who've been with us through it all. Uh, early on in the book of Mark, we we were introduced to John the Baptist, and John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin, and, and he was the forerunner. He was going to be the one that was going to point the way to Jesus, tell people about Jesus. That's John the Baptist, and Mark picks up his story in our passages for today, so today we're in Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 14, and we're going to be looking at John the Baptist and just a, just a little bit of a spoiler alert, this is where John the Baptist gets beheaded. If you didn't know that's how his his life ended, that's how it ended. And we're going to look at all those passages today, but before we get there, so that we're thinking about it in terms that we can relate to, I just want to start with this question, and it is, what shapes your picture of Jesus? I mean, remember, that's what John the Baptist was all about. He was all about shaping people's picture of Jesus. John the Baptist said, I must become... Less and he must become more John, his whole life was about pointing people to jesus that 's what John the Baptist was here for, and so, for many people, two thousand years ago, John the Baptist was the guy that shaped their picture of Jesus because he was getting people ready for the Messiah. he was getting people ready to to, to learn who Jesus was and what he was going to come to do, which kind of blew the minds of all the people. Remember they were the Jewish people two thousand years ago were expecting this. This king, this ruler that was going to come, he was going to lead the, the people of Israel into freedom and to be this great nation again, kind of like in the days of David in the Old Testament. That was the picture that they had. So they thought that a Messiah would come and would, would be like a political ruler, maybe even a military ruler, and that he was going lead to the, lead the Israelites into, the, into their glory days. But John the Baptist shows up and he doesn't say any of that, but he just is preparing the way. He John the Baptist comes and he preaches a message of repentance, telling people to turn to God, to get their hearts ready for Jesus. And then Jesus shows up and and John begins to fade away. John was like a big-time influencer in his day. And then Jesus, here's John, here's Jesus shows up, and pretty soon it starts going like this, and John fades away, and Jesus gets brighter and brighter. And in our story today, we're going to take a little take a look at that, but again, the question is what shapes your picture of Jesus? Maybe there's a John the Baptist in your life. Maybe there's someone in your life, for a lot of us, it's our parents, someone who's pointed you to Jesus, someone who's helped you to understand who Jesus is. And I want you to think about the, the good influencers, but I also want you to think about the negative influencers, because... For as many people as are pointing us to Jesus, we have probably 10 times as many people pulling us away from Jesus. Especially for some of you young people, maybe your picture of Jesus has been shaped by your culture, influencers, artists, musicians, athletes, actors. So again, I want you to really be honest about this for yourself. Like, Put yourself on a fence. Many people are on a fence when it comes to Jesus. They're on a fence and they they can kind of be pushed one way or the other. That's why it's so important who we hang out with because it's so easy for, for us to surround ourselves with people who, knowingly or not, they're pushing us away from Jesus. And so think about that for yourself. Who's, who's making Jesus shine brighter for you and who's trying to snuff out his light? Keep that in mind because we're gonna see a, we're going to see Herod today. Herod was this guy that was on the fence. Herod was the, the ruler of the, of the Jews at the time, and they called him King Herod. He wasn't the king in the Roman sense, but for the Jews, he was a political leader and a political ruler. And we're going to see that, that he represents a lot of us. He's one of those guys that, that was hanging right there on the precipice. Like, he could have been pushed to know Jesus, or he could have been pushed to reject Jesus, and so let's take a look at his story. Mark chapter 6, verse 14. Herod Antipas, the king, soon heard about Jesus. Now remember, Herod is Jewish. He's not Roman, so he's not, he's not a Roman king. He's, the, the Roman people allowed the Jewish people to kind of have their own rulers to try to keep the peace. It was very progressive for Rome to do that 2,000 years ago. And that's who Herod was. But everyone was talking about Jesus, and Herod had heard about Jesus Some people were saying, this must be John the Baptist raised from the dead. So some people thought that Jesus was reincarnated John the Baptist. That's why he could do such miracles. Others said he's the prophet Elijah. So some people thought that Jesus was the reincarnated prophet Elijah. Some people said the same thing about John the Baptist, by the way. And then still others said, he's a prophet like the other great prophets of the past. So he's like Moses. But when Herod heard about Jesus he said, John, the man I beheaded has come back from the dead. Now, I don't know, if you're reading this along, you're like, some of you might be like, okay, I must have missed it. I must have missed the story where John the Baptist got beheaded. Because here we are reading it in verse 16, but you didn't miss it. Because if, if you've paid attention to how Mark writes, Mark writes like quick, it's like scenes in a movie. It's like cut, new scene, cut, new scene. He's just He's just given us the highlights. He would have been a great producer, I think. He would have been a great director in today's age. And so Mark does this thing that that some some movies do. He he skips to the last scene of the movie, right, where the person's dying. And you're like, but you couldn't see the hand of the person who who stabbed him in the back. You're like, I wonder who that person is. And then they go back to the beginning, and now the whole movie, you're paying attention to try to find out who done it, right? Who's the guy that's going to show up in that last scene, stabbing him in the back, right? That's what John. That's what Mark's doing here. He tells us the last scene. That, that John the Baptist is going to be beheaded, and then he's going to go on and tell us how it all happened. But before he does that, I just want to I want to point one thing one thing out here. So Herod, of the three options earlier, Herod decides. Herod lands on. On this picture of Jesus. He decided that Jesus was John the Baptist reincarnated. That's what's going on here. He, he thinks, he be, because he beheads John the Baptist, so he's got this guilty conscience. And because of this guilty conscience, he's kind of like looking up over his shoulder. And that influences him to think that, that Jesus is, is the reincarnated John the Baptist. Come back from the dead to haunt him. Okay, I don't want to get in the weeds on this, but let me just point out two things. Number one, reincarnation isn't a thing. Okay, so number one, reincarnation isn't a thing, and therefore, it follows that number two, Jesus is definitely not the reincarnated John the Baptist, right? So let's just get that clear right now in case some of you are about ready to fall asleep in the sermon. I don't want you to take away the wrong idea. The point is, Herod got the wrong picture of Jesus, That's the the main point I want you to get from verse 16. Herod got Jesus wrong. Now we've said it before many times here at Alpine Church that what you believe about Jesus is the most important thing about you. Like your picture of Jesus is the most, most of us are gonna go out, we're gonna do our Memorial Day stuff, we're not gonna think much more, but I want want you to hear this statement. I, I really want it to ring for you. What you believe about Jesus, your picture of Jesus is the most important thing about you. Young people hear this too. What you believe about Jesus is the most important thing about you because what you believe about Jesus is the thing that will impact your eternal destiny. Because the Bible says that we're saved by trusting Jesus for salvation. That's how we're saved. That's how we'll make it to heaven. That's how we have eternal life. We're saved by trusting Jesus for salvation. But here's the thing. You've got to have the right Jesus. If you have the wrong Jesus, then, then, you, then you can't be saved. If you miss Jesus, if you misinterpret who Jesus is, if you're on the fence and allowing those people in your life, those influences in your life to shove you away from Jesus, it's going to impact your eternal destiny. That's what the Bible teaches. Or if you're on the fence and you decide to listen to the people who are pointing you to the real Jesus then it's gonna positively impact your eternal destiny. So what you believe about Jesus is the most important thing about you, and Herod got Jesus wrong. Herod Herod somehow got the idea that Jesus is the reincarnated John the Baptist. So Herod got Jesus wrong, and Herod died in his sins. Now what Mark's gonna do is he's gonna show us why Herod got Jesus wrong. He's gonna show us the influencers in Herod's life. One influencer was pointing him to Jesus, And another influencer was trying to give him a distorted picture. So let's read the story. Verse 17. So Mark goes back and now tells the story of John's beheading. For Herod had sent soldiers to arrest and imprison John as a favor to Herodias. She had been his brother Philip's wife, but Herod had married her. John had been telling Herod, it's against God's law for you to marry your brother's wife. That's kind of what John did. John was one of those guys. He was, he was a truth teller. He was the kind of guy in your life that would probably not care so much how it came across. He was more interested in telling you the truth. How many of you know somebody like that? Go ahead and raise your hand if you know somebody like that. That's good. You, Everybody should have someone like that in your life. Everyone should have a truth teller in your life. Especially a truth teller who knows Jesus. And JTB that's his nickname, John the Baptist. JTB was a truth teller. He was someone who told the truth and was unafraid to tell you how it was. He was somebody that would tell you if your, if your fly was down. He was that kind of a friend. He'd be like, dude, your fly's down. A lot of people would not say a word. I remember that happened to me one time at staff. I'm walking around all day long with my fly down and finally one of them told me my fly was down. I looked at all the rest of them like, dudes, what's up, man? Tell me the truth. JTB was that kind of guy. So because he was that kind of guy, he's calling Herod out for marrying his brother's wife. He's saying, that's wrong. That's against God's law. Herodias, the wife, bore a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. So she's one of the bad guys. But with, without Herod's approval, she was powerless, for Herod respected John. And knowing that he was a good and holy man, Herod protected John. And I want you to look at this last verse here, verse 20. It says this, Herod was greatly disturbed whenever he talked with John. But even so, he liked to listen to him. Isn't that an interesting statement? So here's here's what's going on for Herod. Remember, Herod's on the fence. And really, he's representative of so many people today. So many people when it comes to Jesus are on the fence. Maybe you're here today and you're, you're, you feel that way. You're on the fence. Like you could seriously go either way. So here's Herod. He's on the fence. And he, he loves going down to the cell, to that dungeon, to talk to JTB. He loves it. He loves, he loves talking to him, but he also hates it. So there's this thing going on, and this is this push and pull. We see it in Romans 7. Paul says, man, I love... Sometimes I do the things I want to do, and sometimes I don't. And so even Paul understood this, this push and pull. This is just how it works for all of us. There's a battle going on for your soul. For every one of us, there's a battle going on. So he was greatly disturbed whenever he talked to John, because I'm sure the first thing John said is, dude, you're still married to Herodias? He's like, yeah. Well, you're sinning, and you're going to hell. He's like, yeah. Yeah. So he was disturbed by that part of the message. But then it says, but he liked to listen to him. So there's some of the, some of the conversation he loved, and, and I, can, I can guarantee you what he loved, because John the Baptist was all about Jesus. So he loved it when, he, when John talked about Jesus. So, he was so he'd never met Jesus. Herod had never met Jesus. And he was so interested in this Jesus guy, he just really wanted to understand who Jesus was. So there's this disturbed yet curious dynamic going on for Herod. Herod's on the fence. Some of you listen to God's word. Some, some of you, we're all like this. We listen to the Bible, we read the Bible, and some of it, we're like, oh, I love that. I love that part. We're curious. Whenever I do a wedding, I, I, always, I always read First Corinthians 13. Most of you would know that. It's the love chapter. Love is patient, love is kind. Beautiful words, and one time I at the end of the ceremony, a couple came up and said, that poem was beautiful, who wrote that? You know? And I said, it was, it's in the Bible, like, God wrote that. It is beautiful, you should read the Bible. And so that was one that that person loved. Oh, I love that, I mean, those are words, maybe some of you have that plaque in your home. Love is patient, love is kind. I mean, that's the kind of stuff we love to have up on the walls of our home because so much of God's word is, is beautiful. And it's stuff we want to hear. But then there's also those verses that never make it onto a plaque. There's those verses that were like, ooh, I don't know about that one. I don't think we should have, and then John the Baptist was beheaded. I don't think we should have that up on the, the wall. Maybe that's not one that's going to sell out, you know. But we all have this where we... Some of what God says we love and we hold on to, and some of what God says we, we want to reject. It doesn't land for us. We don't like it. It doesn't make us feel good. And so this is Herod. He was disturbed whenever he was judged, <laughs> but man, he loved it when John talked about Jesus. And so here's what happened. Because on one hand, we've got John the Baptist as an influencer telling him about Jesus, but then... As the story continues, Mark introduces another influencer. It says in verse 21, Herodias's chance finally came on Herod's birthday. He gave a party for his high government officials, army officers, and the leading citizens of Galilee. And then his daughter, also named Herodias, one of the other gospels, calls her Salome. She comes in and she performs a dance that greatly pleased Herod and his guests. Now Mark's movie is PG. So that's all he says about it. But you need to know that this wasn't an innocent dance. This was a naughty dance. This was not an appropriate dance. This is the one that you would be fumbling around for the remote to fast forward it, you know. That's that kind of dance. And Herodias had been drinking, and Herodias really liked it. I mean Herod Herod really liked it. And so Herod said ask me for anything you like and I'll give it to you and he even vowed, he made a promise, I'll give you whatever you ask up to half my kingdom. Which was a really stupid thing to say. Like that was a totally stupid thing to say. Like I'll give you whatever you want. Clearly Herod had been overserved. And if that's ever happened to you, you know that you make really stupid decisions when you're in that condition. That's for another sermon. But for some of you, that's just what you needed to hear today. So there you go. She went out and she asked her mother, What should I ask for? And her mother told her, Ask for the head of John the Baptist. So the girl hurried back to the king. And she said, I want the head of John the Baptist right now on a tray. You notice that she added that? So she was into this just as much as her mom was. And then the king deeply regretted what he had said. See, there's that regret. He had deeply regretted what he said. He was like, oh, stupid, what was I thinking? But because of the vows he'd made in front of his guests, so there's a little pride going on there, men, too. He didn't want to look stupid. He couldn't refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner to the prison to cut off John's head and bring it to him. The soldier beheaded John in the prison, brought his head on a tray. I've got that one. We've got that one on our kitchen wall, that verse. And gave it to the girl who took it to her mother. And when John's disciples heard what had happened, they came to get his body and buried it in a tomb. And that's it. Mark Mark doesn't... Say anything more about John the Baptist. That's the end of the story of John the Baptist in the Gospel of Mark. That's it. So he, he opens in chapter one about John the Baptist being a forerunner and telling people about Jesus. And then he closes Mark's story. There's only there are only two passion narratives in the in the Gospels. The Passion of Jesus. Passion narrative means, you know, like the Passion of the Christ, the movie. Passion, the Passion narrative is the narrative of the suffering and death of somebody. So the Passion of Christ is the suffering and death of Jesus. And the other passion narrative is right here in Mark chapter 6. It's the suffering and death of John the Baptist. And his story is done. And again, from, from right here, the lesson we learn is really through the eyes of Herod. Be careful who you pay attention to. Because Herod paid attention to the wrong person. Herod is on the fence and he, he had John the Baptist right there. I mean, he could talk to him anytime he wanted to. And he did. And he was so curious. And he was learning about Jesus. But then he throws this rager. He gets drunk and he gets, he gets pulled in because of his lust. And pretty soon he does something that he regrets for the rest of his life. But again, what I want you to really understand here is the point, the main point, is that he got Jesus wrong because of it. Because of the influence of Herodias. Because he let Herodias push him away from understanding and knowing Jesus, Herod got Jesus wrong. And not only did John the Baptist die, Herod died in his sins. Not in this moment, but someday Herod passed away. And Herod didn't know Jesus. So Herod paid the ultimate price because he listened to the wrong person in his life. He should have listened to JTB, but he listened to Herodias instead. The scene closes, but we still have one more thing to look at because there's another character in the story that was also on the fence, and this is the shocking part. The other person on the fence in this story is JTB himself, John the Baptist. Now, some of you are like, whoa, hey, wait a second, John the Baptist is a good guy. No, he's a good guy. But John the Baptist had his own crisis of faith, but we don't see it in the Gospel of Mark. We have to turn to Matthew chapter 11 for John's faith crisis. Verse 2. It says, John the Baptist, who was in prison, so we're talking about before he was beheaded, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing, so he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? This is the most confusing question to me in the whole Bible. John the Baptist, this person of incredible faith, Jesus himself, later in Matthew 11, is going to say he's the greatest person to ever live. John the Baptist asked the stupidest question you could ever think of. He was the one telling everyone about Jesus. He was the one pointing people to Jesus. He was the one saying he must become greater and I must become less. And yet, from his dark prison cell, he sends his disciples to ask Jesus, Are you really the one? Was I wrong? Did I get it wrong? Have I just wasted my whole life? Because I'm not sure what I think about you anymore, Jesus. That's what John the Baptist is asking. Now we can understand why. John the Baptist is in prison, about to lose his head, literally. And Jesus is out there partying, partying with people. Jesus is out there healing people and and casting demons out. Jesus is out there having a blast. And John the Baptist, who's a truth teller, is in prison. So put yourself in prison with John the Baptist. Wouldn't you be like, wait a second. Why, Why am I the one rotting in prison? Shouldn't Jesus be here telling Herod the same thing? Jesus knew about Herod's sin. Why didn't Jesus come bring the message so, so John is bringing this message of judgment, and he's paying for it. Jesus is bringing this message of blessing, and that's why John had a, a faith crisis. It just didn't make sense. He couldn't, he couldn't square that up anymore, and some of you might feel that way. You're a follower of Jesus. Maybe you relate more to JTB in the story, then to Herod in the story, and maybe you've been in the same place. Maybe you're in that place right now. You're like, I don't understand why you're letting this happen, Jesus. This doesn't make sense to me. Why are you letting this happen? And if you've ever been there, and then you know exactly the crisis of faith that John the Baptist was experiencing, and here's what Jesus says, verse four. Jesus told his disciples, go back to John and tell him what you've heard and seen the blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. Stop. John's like, exactly, that's my problem. That's exactly my problem. All this good stuff, all this blessing. Where's the judgment, Jesus? Where's the truth-telling, Jesus? I'm a truth-teller. Why are you just doing all this good stuff? The blind will see, the lame walk, lepers are cured, deaf will hear, dead are raised. Good news? I know. I'm bringing bad news. See here, this. If you go back and look, this is this passage. Jesus is literally quoting Isaiah four different places in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet 800 years earlier who talked about the coming Messiah, and every one of those things is listed in those Isaiah passages. Every one of those things is listed. But if you go back and read it, and I encourage you to do this, if you go back and read those passages, actually, judgment is also listed. So from JTB's point of view, Jesus is cherry picking because this is all the good stuff from those passages in Isaiah, but there's also a lot of judgment. And when John reads that, he reads the judgment stuff. And so he goes to Herod and says, you're living in sin and you're going to hell. But Jesus is doing all the good stuff from there. And this is exactly why John the Baptist was having such a hard time. And that's why Jesus said this at the end, verse six. God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. See, have all the influencers in our life, when you're sitting on the fence, we've all been there, whether you're on the fence because you're still trying to figure out who Jesus is, or whether you're on the fence because you thought you had him figured out, but now you're going through something that doesn't square up. Of all the influences sitting on the fence, more than John the Baptist, more than Herodias, the biggest influencer is Jesus himself. Because when you're sitting on the fence, that's when you come across some of Jesus' hard teachings. And that's when you have to make a decision what you're going to do with that. And that's why Jesus says this, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. Me. Jesus is basically saying, I know it's hard sometimes. And I know what I ask of you is sometimes difficult. But you'll be blessed if you don't fall away because of me. We talked about soils, how Jesus scatters seed, this, the good news. And, and for some people, it, it works and it, and it takes root. And for some people, it's like it sprouts up really quick. But then as soon as trials come into your life, you bail. And this is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is giving John the Baptist a challenge. He's like, will you stick it out even if it gets hard? Even if life doesn't turn out the way you thought it should as a follower of Jesus, will you stick it out? God will bless you if you do. God blesses those who don't fall away on account of me. And then Jesus said, I tell you the truth of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. And from the time of John the Baptist, from the time that he began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. And I wanted to end with this verse because this is exactly what happened in John's life. Jesus says this in Matthew 11, verse 12, and then John the Baptist gets beheaded. So Jesus is a prophet. The kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing. And John the Baptist was on the front lines of that advance. But violent people are coming against it. And that was true not just in Jesus' day, but friends, that's true today. That's true today. Our culture is going from bad to worse. And if you haven't already faced this, you're going to face a moment like John the Baptist. Maybe not your life being on the line, but where you're going to have to make a decision Am I going to stick with Jesus even though the whole culture is going away from him? And Jesus would say, you'll be blessed if you do. What shapes your picture of Jesus? I pray that you have a John the Baptist in your life. I pray that you have someone in your life that is, that is telling you about Jesus, that's elevating Jesus, that's shining a light on Jesus. And I pray you'll listen to those people. And for some of you, you are Those people. And I, I hope you'd continue to shape, shape the picture of Jesus in your world. Like keep telling parents, keep telling your kids about Jesus. Keep living, living that for them. Keep showing people who Jesus is. And we'll all be blessed if we get the right picture. Herod was, Herod was on the wrong side of the equation. Herod ended up making the wrong choice, but John made the right choice and it cost him his life. But he's blessed because of it. May that be true of us as well. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray, first of all, for the person on the fence who relates to Herod. They haven't made a decision about you. Maybe today is the day when they will turn to you in faith. Help them to do that. But I also pray for the believer in here who puts themselves in the shoes of John the Baptist because they can relate. They've tried to be faithful. They they try to speak your truth. But it feels like they've been punished because of it. Violent people keep attacking them. God, I pray that they would remember those words. Jesus, your words. God blesses those who do not fall away on account of me. Lord, I pray that you would give those believers staying power as you did for John the Baptist. Even in the midst of our questions even in the midst of our crisis of faith, Lord, that in the end we would make the decision to stay true to you and to be faithful to you even to the end. God, help us all to have the right picture of Jesus. Jesus is the son of the living God. Jesus is God himself. He went to the cross. He died on the cross for our sins, and he rose from the dead three days later to to defeat sin and death in the grave, And today we worship you, we thank you, and God, I pray that you would help us to be a faithful follower of that Jesus. And it's in his name we pray, amen.